0: welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this week's lesson is titled God's Mission to Us Part 1, and this is in the new quarterly lesson called God's Mission, My Mission, and this one is going to be going from September 30th to October 6th, and it is a very good lesson. Um, I'm looking forward to going over this, and I think you guys will find some very Very useful and beautiful information in here. But let's go ahead and we're going to open up with prayer, so if you can please bow your heads and join with me. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come to your temple today to learn more about your word and your mission and to be able to share that word and mission with our listeners and to feel a part of your life. And we thank you every day for being here with us and blessing us and Guiding us and giving us opportunities to become more like you. And Lord, we thank you for all this and we ask for forgiveness of our sins. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And with that, let's go ahead and read the memory text for this week. The memory text says, and it's found in Genesis 3, verse 9. And it states, Then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Where are you? Now that is a. uh, Very interesting question. Now, the question that was asked, where are you, was done after Adam and Eve disappeared and tried to hide themselves because they were ashamed of not listening to God and doing something against what God had asked. Now, it says here, and I'm going to read this entire uh, Sabbath Sabbath lesson because I, I really do love and appreciate them providing this context because it does lead you into a good understanding of what the week is going to be about. And with that, it says, mission finds its origin and purpose only in God. This mission did not begin with Abram's call, which is in Genesis 12, or with the Exodus, which is in Exodus 12. It did not even begin with Jesus Christ on earth, or with Paul's missionary journeys. The mission began with God himself when he brought the universe into existence and later created humanity. In the scriptures, we see a God who intentionally reaches out and desires to be with his children. From the beginning, he established a relationship with Adam and Eve. Even after sin enters, he continues his mission, but now it is to reestablish his relationship with humanity. In the end, God's mission will be accomplished, which is why we should be motivated in the work of proclaiming the eternal gospel to the world. The foundation of any mission endeavor, therefore must be centered on relationship with the creator and with the proper understanding of his missionary nature and character. But before we understand the mission of God, it's essential to be or to better understand the God of mission. Now, instead of us looking at God's mission, we're looking at the God of mission, which means he's a God of purpose, a God of, of moving forward. Now, It's really interesting to see that even after Adam and Eve failed to follow the instructions God had laid out, he still sought after them. He still tried to maintain that relationship with them. Now, they couldn't be in the same place as God because they introduced sin into the garden, and the garden was not a place for sin. Any sin in front of God would be destroyed. So, But in this situation here... God is asking out, he's like, where are you guys? Where where did you go? He knows exactly where they are. But he was waiting for them to come out on their own. Now God knew what happened. He knew it before it was gonna happen. He knew it was gonna entail in this situation. And it, it's it's very interesting to understand this this type of connection that God wants. With his children. You know like a parent you're going to be upset. You're going to be a little disappointed. In the actions of your kids. You know it's, a, it's the same thing. He, Because they did not listen. Doesn't mean he doesn't love them. He just was disappointed. In the decision they made. And with any decision. There's always consequences to it. And God knew what the consequences were going to be. He told them what the consequences were going to be. If they did not listen. Now, it's very interesting when you look at this and you try to understand what happened and you try to understand where this this took place and why it took place. Now, as we're reading, you know, God did create us in his image and his likeness. He gave us a perfect world and his purpose was that we would live in perfect connection with him, a relationship centered in his most precious attribute, love. Now, I love how this, <laughs> a lot of love here. I, I really do appreciate how this lesson, this next lesson lays it out. It says, but for love to be real, God also gave us another precious gift, free will, the freedom to choose which way to follow. Now, he gave, you know, it does say he gave Adam and Eve instruction of what not to do, where not to go, how not to behave. And he said, look, if you do this, there's, it's not going to be good for you. You're not going to like what happens. And what happened? They didn't listen. Now, it's not just all their fault. There was something around the garden that did its best to confuse and to mislead. Adam and Eve, and we don't know who that is. It was a serpent who came to Eve and said, you know, you can be like God, knowing good and evil, you know, it was the way he phrased it. It was the way he said he took God's exact words, said, do not eat of the tree lest you die or lest you surely die. Well, what happened? You have Satan, who is a serpent, sitting there telling Eve, lest you surely die? You know, are you sure about that? You know, that's the way he was presenting it. He was like, Did you hear what God said correctly? Are you know he threw he threw that confusion out there, that that misguidance, the the questioning of what exactly happened. He was sitting there telling God, or telling Adam and Eve. Eh, are you are you sure that's what you heard him say? You know, he's like, look at me, I'm eating the, this fruit and I'm not dying. Are you sure you understood what he said? And because of that, Eve chose to eat and then gave the fruit to Adam, who made the same choice. And what this did was this entered sin into the garden. And God knew. He saw all this happening. He saw it was going to come. You know, because... God knows every choice we make and he knows every choice we don't make. He knows trying to comprehend the knowledge of God and what he understands and knows is going to happen and what could happen and what's the potential of happening is insane. Now I, I, I like, I like watching a lot of, you know, time travel movies and things like that. And they always say that every choice has a, has an, a different timeline that could be. If you took a step off a curb, it could lead one direction, but if you don't step off the curb, it leads it to a different direction. God is able to anticipate and see and understand and comprehend every single one of those paths. So he already knows. He has contingency plans for every single thing in in the entire universe because this is a God that is all-knowing. This is a God that is all-being, a God that understands everything. Now, with this being said, God's original plan and purpose for the newly created planet had to change just a little bit. This time, it was now about salvation. Which, honestly, was, again, designed before the foundation of the world it now had to be implemented because of free choice. Now, free choice is very interesting. It's very, there's a lot around free choice, a lot of trying to understand what free choice is, and that is you're given the choice on your own to make your own decisions. Now, God will not force you to go down one path, and he will not force you to go down a different path. No. What God does is he presents your options. And depending on what you choose will determine where that path leads. The fact that you can't force somebody to love you. And I, I remember children's cartoons. There was a children's cartoon where, you know, you can wish for three things. And one of them was you can't make somebody love you. It's quite interesting that you take that and you look at that, and God is saying the same thing. You can't, you can't force love from somebody. Love has to be freely given. It has to be something that the other person wants to give to you. Now, I I know that in a lot of cases, a lot of us find it hard to love others, because you know, we have. You know, people that we may see as enemies, we have people that we may not like, and it's it's a hard thing to to give love to somebody. Now in this situation here, you know, God is doing everything he can to show you how much he loves you. It's just a choice that you have to make is do you reciprocate that said love? Do you share that same love back? Now, when Adam and Eve fell and introduced sin, just like I said earlier, you know, Adam and Eve were scared. This is the first time they they felt fear in the garden. They feared the retribution of God. They feared the punishment that God was going to give them. They feared that God was going to be so disappointed that he he was going to look away from them. But... As any parent knows, they needed to be confronted. They need to understand the consequences of their actions. Also, it says here, Satan also needed to be defeated. For that, God then began to present his mission, the plan of redemption. And it was the only hope of reconciling the world to himself. You know, we see so much in Scripture of God going out and seeking, going out and looking, and going out and trying to find his children. You know, there's, there's a famous parable that... Um, is it a parable? There's an illustration that Jesus has stated about the lost sheep. You know, that the shepherd will leave the 99 to go look for the one that went astray. And this is what God is doing. He is out actively seeking his children, actively seeking those that need him the most. It's not because, you know, what happened in the garden makes him look bad. No, 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 no. The reason he's doing this is because he loves each and every single one of us. He's determined to be with us, to save us. You know, that is, that's the power of a loving God. That is, that's beautiful when you look at that, that he is determined, determined. And in any mission, you have to be determined to accomplish said mission. You cannot be led astray from completing said mission. Your whole focus is that said mission. And for God, a God of mission, a God of purpose, that purpose is to save and be with us. That's powerful when you think about that. When you look at the context of that, of what it means, God loves us that much that he is going to do everything he can to reestablish that connection with us, to bring us back into his fold, so that he can commune and be joyous with us. That is, that's amazing. As we continue reading with this lesson, we see that, and it says here in the Old Testament narrative, God continues to act according to his missionary nature in order to fulfill his purposes and it lays out a few different descriptions of things that occurred showing this exact thing. It says, For instance, after the flood, the people of Babel decided to gather in one place to build a city and a tower that would reach to the heavens. God intervened, confusing their language with the goal to scatter them around the world. He then enlarged his mission, calling Abram, who later became Abraham, to be a channel of his blessing to the world. God's promises to Abraham and his descendants were multifold, but one emergence emerges above all. Several times God basically declared to them, "I will be your God. I will be with you. I am with you." This is quite possibly the biggest trend that we're going to see in this week's lesson. God's want and need purpose to be with us. That is an amazing thing about our God, is that he wants to be with us, that he chose us, that he wants to commune with us. This this is seen so many different times. When we look at, for instance, Joseph, When Joseph was captured, the Bible affirms that the Lord was with him throughout his entire journey, even though he went through a lot of struggles. Joseph went through a lot. From being with his family to being sold as a slave and then to being brought to Egypt and then being imprisoned and forgotten about for years. God was with him every day. Single step. God continued his mission of being with us when he saw Moses and helped deliver his people from Egyptian slavery. It says during Moses' commissioning, God said to him, I will certainly be with you. This is something that we see repeated throughout Scripture. Even all the way into the New Testament, we see it so many times where God wants to be with us. That even in our darkest moments, God is still with us. And I'm pretty sure that there were many times that as the Egyptians were fleeing, or not the Egyptians, I'm sorry, the Israelites were fleeing Egypt, I'm sure they felt many times that God, well, really that they were alone out in the middle of the desert. But God was with them every single step to prove that he was with them. Look at the miracles that Moses was able to accomplish with God by his side. Now, Moses didn't do the miracles. God did the miracles, but God used Moses as the tool, the vessel to accomplish these miracles. Could you imagine sitting there, you're pressed up against the the beach and the ocean, you just see nothing but water in front of you and you have an, an army that's chasing after you. And then God puts his hands down and spreads the ocean to allow you to traverse it, to get out of the to get out of the hostile territory, to get to safety. That's amazing. God is seen doing these things so many times throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, that we we need to comprehend and understand the amount of love that he is sharing with us. And all he asks in return is reciprocating that love on our own. God decided to be with his children in every way he could, even in different ways. He confirmed to Moses his longing to dwell among the children of Israel in the building of the tabernacle, and the establishment of a very intentional and purposeful system that would point to the ultimate instrument of his mission, his son, Jesus Christ. God wanted to be with us so badly. He still wants to be with us today, but during this time, to show his love for his children, to, to show them that he was with them. He instructed Moses to build this tabernacle in such a way to, to symbolize the sanctuary in heaven so that we may understand in many different levels, in many different ways of what it means like for God to want to be with us. The mission that God has set forth to redeem us, to save us. Now, I don't want to go too deep into the tabernacle because that is a whole different story by itself. The way it's set up and everything and what every piece and furniture means and the colors and, you know, everything. It is such a beautiful, beautiful lesson. But again, that's for another time. (laughs) But today, though, knowing the things that God is willing to do and the to be with us to show us his love and his compassion is beyond anything we can comprehend and I I know I keep saying that but it's so absolutely true it's it's important for us in our journey in our travels in our walk that we understand that God is walking with us he is side by side with us you know it reminds me of that that poem about the man who's walking on a beach and it's his footsteps and he sees another set of footsteps next to him. But every so often those footsteps next to him would disappear and he would only see his. And he asks, you know, where did you go? When I, when I look behind and I see these steps that have disappeared, I don't see yours. Where did you go? And, you know, Jesus looks at him and says, those were the times that I carried you. That is, that's what God wants to do. He wants us to be able to rely on him, to to come to him with everything that we have, to to share who we are with him because he wants that communion with us. He wants that that relationship with us. He wants us to take that first step. He's going to lay out everything for us to show us what it could be if we were to walk with him. Now the choice again is ours. Now, even the Old Testament presents how the Creator began to implement a plan through a people who were supposed to represent His nature and purpose to the world. Everything God did was according to His missionary strategy. And it continues with a bunch of people that He utilized. It says, Through the prophet Isaiah, God said, I am God, and there is no one like me declaring the end from the beginning, saying, My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. In the New Testament, however, God's desire to be with humanity takes a new dimension through Christ's incarnation. What was only a promise in the Garden of Eden becomes a reality. This is important to understand. God had established the fact that he will accomplish his good pleasure and that good pleasure was to be with us and to save us and to redeem us. He did it. He came in flesh to be with us. Ranging from when God dwelt among his people within the sanctuary, and now he is dwelling with them in the physical person of Jesus of Nazareth. It says, Indeed, with the birth of Jesus, God Presented in concrete ways his continuous desire to be with us in nature and mission. The Son of God was fully human and fully divine. And he is the one who affirmed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was a representation. He was the embodiment of God in flesh for us. How many people would step in the shoes of someone else to show how much they love and understand and appreciate them, that everything this other person means to them is the entire world? Not many people would do that. Not to the extent that Jesus did. Not to to the extent that God did. God, through Jesus, showed us that even as we have fallen, even as we are sinful creatures or have a sinful nature, that we can resist temptation, that we can stand against sin, that we have a path forward. Jesus showed us all in his sinless life that it is possible to follow the law of God and to establish a connection with him that was beyond anything we could ever imagine. It's a beautiful, beautiful message. Jesus went through everything we went through, from the temptation to the sadness, to the suffering, Jesus saw. He experienced it all. Now God himself, and this is—I think this is the part that, for me, is such an amazing thing to think of—that a a being and an omnipotent being such as God was willing to bring Himself to the same level as man to understand children, to get on their level, to show them that everything that they can think of to resist temptation, to resist sin is possible because he can do it. He showed us that we can do it, even with all the weakness that the flesh is, that we can get past it. He Became came like us to show us how much he loved us. To show us the importance of his mission, the reason for his mission. God came to us to show us the way. Anybody who's ever been in a position of leadership understands the best way to, to help the people that you're instructing, the people that you're leading, is putting yourself at times at the same level and understanding and showing them that you are willing to put the work in, that you are willing to put aside for a moment your power to show them that you are with them. You're not just somebody standing on top of a hill looking down saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, and not partaking in what needs to be done. God partook. God is a shining example of what it means to lead. That's what he did. Now, the other thing for us, too, is You've heard of that saying seeing is believing, you know if I don't see it, it's not real kind of thing. And that's what a lot of people think that it may not be Christian. Think of what God is, that he's an invisible person. That he's an invisible entity that we don't see what he's doing. we can't understand what he's doing. No, God came, embodied Jesus to show us the perfect image of the invisible God, the one in whom all the fullness should dwell, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Christ was the embodiment of God. And to show that, he, Jesus himself revealed the mission again, saying, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The mission of God to save and seek those of us that are lost. Just as I said earlier, the shepherd who goes out and leaves the 99 to go find the one sheep that disappeared, the one sheep that got lost, the one sheep that walked away. God is actively seeking out those individuals to bring them back. It's not saying he does not care about the 99. No, he absolutely loves the 99. But he wants to bring that 100 back, that one single one back to be with his family, to be with his flock. Now, it says later in his ministry, when Jesus approached his last week of life, humanity's final destiny was at stake. The events that took place during those days connected the expectation from the past with hope for the future. During the Passover celebration, which pointed to freedom from the Egyptian oppression, again, something that God did, Jesus Christ, the incarnated God, gave up his life to deliver us from the bondage of sin. The Apostle Paul wrote, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And as in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It's it's such a powerful image to think that someone who was guiltless, someone who was sinless. Someone who was innocent to take on the things that he had to endure on our behalf. We're the ones who committed the crime, but Jesus, Jesus paid the penalty for us. He took on the the burden, the the pain, the suffering, the torment. He took all that on for us as an innocent. He sacrificed himself to save us. It's, it's humbling when you think about what God had to do in order to save and redeem us to reestablish that connection, that before this, the connection between heaven and earth with God and us was broken when Adam and Eve introduced sin into the world. It took God putting us first, putting himself in our place taking on the punishment for us, a punishment that we deserved, he took it upon himself through his flesh and blood to reestablish that connection. That by itself is so important for us to hold on to. God put his son through so much to redeem us. And Jesus did this willingly. He did this knowing that his mission was fulfilling his father's. Now, with any mission, there's always missions within those that need to be done, that need to be accomplished. When Jesus conquered death and received all authority in heaven and earth, he commissioned each and every one of us to make disciples around the world. Now, He's not just leaving us to do this by ourselves. No. He is with us through every single step, every single prayer meeting, every single Bible study, every single conversation we have with our brothers and sisters out in this world. He is with us. He is standing next to us. He is holding our shoulders up. He is keeping our heads held high. He is there with us to ensure and to make sure That we have everything we need to accomplish his mission. His father's mission. To redeem and to save as many as we can. Now, we understand his mission. We understand what his goals are. He promised through Jesus something that we need to hold on to dearly because everything we know in Scripture, everything that is said in Scripture, everything that God has said he would do in Scripture, God has done. God has accomplished. Every single thing he has said has come to fruition or is coming to fruition. The one thing that Jesus affirmed to all of us was that he would be back and that we we will go with him if we stay true, if we stay faithful, and we do the work that's needed from us. Now, do not take that in the wrong context. When I say work, I say in doing mission that christ himself did here on earth and that is to share the gospel to share the good work to share that message of hope to share with people that we don't even know and even those that we do know that there is more that there is a promise coming that god wants them that god is striving and reaching out his arms for the lost sheep Revelation 21, John says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God wants to be with us. He's screaming it at us, saying, I want to be with you. I I need you in in my life. I want to be a part of your life. God wants us. All we have to do is say, I'm yours. That's it. Follow him. Be with him. Commune with him. Talk with him. He wants us to to establish a relationship. Like with any relationship, it takes two. And right now, God is the one who's trying to establish this relationship. He's the one saying, talk to me. Trust in me. Put your faith in me. Walk with me. Now, the big thing we have to remember, again, God's with us already. So we're not walking alone. We never are walking alone. He is always with us. In our hearts and our minds. He's just asking us to to open up. That's it. God has already established the process of redemption. He has conquered sin for us through His Son. He has reestablished that connection with us. He Everything God has done that we can see in Scripture has been done to bring us closer to Him. It's, it's something that when you look at it from the outside and you look at the dedication, the purposeful nature, the, the striving, the reaching, the the blessings, the, everything that God has done to bring his children home to him. It's what every parent strives to do. It's what every parent wants to do. They want their children to be with them. They want their children to grow upright, to grow strong, to grow to to do the right things. And this is what God wants us to do. He just wants us to say, teach me, show me, lead me. Guide me. Be a part of my life. And you know what will happen when you do that? God will be there. He will show you the many things that he has planned for you, the the many blessings that he wants to share with you, the, the love that he wants to impress upon you. But it comes down to a choice, a choice that we need to make because as we can see the way this world is going, the things that are happening, the, the turmoil that's going on, the, the mistrust, the hatred, the evil that is rising in this world, it's not long before Christ returns to, to call out to his children and say, come to me, come out of Babylon. Step out of the world that you're in and be with me. I have something so much better for you. This is what God is trying to show us. This is why he sent prophets. This is why we have is to prepare us for what's to come. But also to show us the options we have in front of us. Because again, it all comes down to free will, to a choice do I do this or do I do that? That's what this comes down to. And it says here, here we find the most beautiful picture of redemption. The God of mission will finally fulfill his desire to be with his children. What a tremendous privilege to be a part of this reality. God is with us through everything. We just have to acknowledge that he's there with us and ask him to guide us, to present himself to us in our lives. But we have to ask. He's not going to force us. He's not going to beat us over the head with a stick or anything like that to get us to wake up. No. That's not who God is. God is will lay out your options before you. And he will impress upon you to make the right choice. But again, it's your choice. Make that choice. Invite God into your life. Let God work miracles through you. Let God reach out to you and impress upon your heart to, to open your mind to the world around you and to show you in your life that there are things to come that are so great and beautiful. Not everything is going to be easy. Walking with God is not an easy task. But we have the best example that it can be done, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus showed that it is possible that we can overcome, that we can, with the help of God, get through this world to be better, to live better, to live more like Christ. At the end of this lesson, there's a challenge that's called out. It says, throughout this quarter, you'll be invited to engage intentionally in God's mission. This will be an opportunity to see and experience the God of mission at work in your life. Take advantage of this moment for personal reflection and be ready to share what you have learned. When you do these classes, your Sabbath school lessons at church with others, be ready to reflect and share. This will also encourage you to increase your involvement in God's mission. This quarter is going to be quite interesting. It's going to be packed full of information. And it's going to help us better understand in more detail what God's mission is and what our mission is and how these two missions work together to accomplish the overall goal. Just remember, you are not alone in this journey. God is with you throughout. He is standing by your side. He is going to open up new possibilities and new things for you. If you reach out, commune with God, pray to him, ask him for guidance, ask him for for wisdom, ask him just to open your heart. And to be with you. Let God work through you. Be one with your creator. Establish that connection today. Make the choice to be with him. Because he has made the choice to be with you to share his love with you, to share his blessings with you, to share the world with you. You just need to make that choice and say yes. Make that choice today. I look forward to going over the rest of this quarter with you. We're going to have some wonderful speakers joining us, wonderful guests, as we go over these lessons this quarter. I look forward to having you join us and being a part of this. I cannot wait for the next lesson. I hope you look forward to the next lesson and look forward to learning more about the God of mission as much as me. With that, let's go ahead and close with a prayer. Lord, we ask that you be with us, be with our listeners as they embark upon this mission that you have set forth. A mission to bring us closer to you. A mission to bring us home to you. And a mission that you have established to be with us. Lord, I ask that our listeners open up today, pray to you, and ask you to be in their lives, to open their hearts and minds, and to guide them into fulfilling the mission that you have placed upon us. Lord, we thank you so much and so greatly for the many things that we see in this world that reflect glory upon you lord thank you for choosing us today we choose you please forgive us of our sins and our transgressions and to wash us clean with the blood of your son jesus christ we ask these things Thank you for listening. If you listen, please go to our podcast page on our website, 3 slash podcast. That's the number 3, angels.sda.orgslash podcast, and use the comment section. There you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Just search for ABQ 3 Angels Podcast.